My name is Jonathan Blackwood. Welcome to my Tech Decisions Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Marshall. Dr. Marshall is a certified senior project manager, a certified project management professional, a subject matter expert and peer reviewer for multiple organizations, including the Project Management Institute, the International Project Management Association, and more. He also is an adjunct professor at Southern New Hampshire University. Suffice it to say, Dr. Marshall knows a lot about project management. If you recall, we've had Dr. Marshall on the podcast before. In part one and part two of his interview, he discussed project management best practices in terms of a technology project. This covered everything from planning to scheduling to seeing the project through. This time, we're getting a bit more granular, focusing on perhaps the most important part of any technology project, the budget. We invited Dr. Marshall back in order to learn how budgets are created, how a technology manager can get approval for a budget, how to keep a budget on track throughout a technology project, and more. One of the most important things we discussed is the difference between a project cost estimate and a budget. Dr. Marshall explains that you can't create a fair budget without first creating a project cost estimate. He goes on to discuss three strategies for creating project cost estimates and in which cases you'd want to use each strategy. It's important for every tech manager to have this information as it could be the difference between getting the technology you want or not. Finally, Dr. Marshall gives some tips for gaining approval for a budget. Just because the numbers match up doesn't mean your organization will give you the okay. You need to make a case for why the organization should spend the money in the first place. Check out the interview to learn more about creating and keeping a budget. Enjoy. Before we get to the interview, a quick reminder that My Tech Decisions podcast is now available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Make sure to subscribe in order to instantly download the latest interviews with expert AV integrators, IT providers, security installers, technology manufacturers, and commercial technology decision makers like yourself. If you like what you hear, you can leave a comment and rate the podcast as well. Search for My Tech Decisions Podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe. Now let's get to the interview. Welcome to My Tech Decisions podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Marshall, CSPM, PMP, and adjunct professor at Southern New Hampshire University. You may remember him from an earlier episode where he told us all about project management, and today we are going to talk about budgeting. Uh, Dr. Marshall, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me back. It's a, it's an honor. Well, it's an honor to have you. Uh, we're very excited to speak again. We kind of laid the base in our last discussion about best practices for project management, but a project will never get off the ground unless uh, the budget is set and the budget is approved. So many people know the term budgeting, uh, but few are familiar with the idea of project cost estimating. You were telling me a little bit about this off the airwaves. Uh, it might sound like the same thing, but there are distinct differences. Could you explain? Uh, yes, absolutely, Jonathan. So you're right. I mean, they, they're they a bit confusing and people use them interchangeably all the time. I think they all, you know, folks have the same uh, sort of thought in mind, but they use the terms uh, to mean the same thing. 
and they're not it's really two two different sides to the same coin if you will um very related uh is dependent on the other but but there's a there is a distinct difference between uh, a cost estimate or cost estimating and a project budget or project budgeting so again similar related uh but but the difference is worth you know is worth nailing down and so um let me see if i can summarize that and so cost estimating is uh basically the the process of quantifying every resource uh, whatever it is that is going to be required to complete a project and by resources i i mean everything it it can be labor uh materials uh it can be land in the case of um you know construction projects uh you know there are many many categories of of uh you know materials and resources that are going to be required and so the cost estimate is uh a, a listing of those if you will will and a quantification of all of those um the numbers the amounts and then with a dollar amount attached to it and so at at the you know end of the process you you have a single dollar amount that represents the roll up of everything that you quantified budgeting on the other hand will rely on that estimate right so it you know you have to have some idea what the project's going to cost before you set set out to to do your budgeting but budgeting is basically the process of identifying not not necessarily you know the amounts because you have the amounts but it's the identifying the sources of the funds to be used to cover the estimated cost and 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 just think about it for a second i mean it's the analogy i can think of is you know buying a car and so the cost estimate is like the msrp sticker on the window and and those truly are estimates in my mind because the price a consumer pays oftentimes isn't that number at all budget on the other hand is the exercise that the buyer is going to go through either with uh his wife or her husband with the finance manager um if if somebody else in your family is going to chip in to help you buy the car you're going to have to work with them and so to to budget you know for that car you want to buy you're going to have to identify all the sources of funds what accounts they're going to come from and put it all together and and try to make it at least cover the estimate and so and, th- and there's some other dimensions to to budgeting it's generally done over a a, a timeline and so we can talk about that in a minute but the the important point i think for project managers or anybody who's involved in projects is that you know, it's important to make sure that your budget and your estimate are in alignment and a lot of work will be done uh by uh, people in the project management field to make sure that happens to make sure that either have enough 
funds or they've identified sources of funds to cover the estimate, or if they haven't, then what they'll need to do is, let's just say they come up, you know, uh, with only 80%. Well, then um, the estimate's going to have to be revised downward uh, to get it in line with what, you know, what they have to, to spend, which will mean that will affect the scope. They'll have to descope and things like that. So. Uh, Long, long story short, uh, similar, um, both important, but but uh, different, and also different in respect to the techniques that are used to to perform those different uh, processes. Sure, and we'll uh, we'll get to those techniques in in just a minute. But uh, first, so should the estimate always come before the budget, or are there cases in which? You know, you should go to your manager and find out what the budget is going to be. So while you're developing the cost estimate, you can keep it within that scope. Right, right. So um, I think the the way I'd like to answer that uh, is with you know with a best case scenario uh, because that can be the standard that you use as a reference. And 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 what that best case scenario is is that the estimate would always come before the budget. Now, um, that sounds very simple when I say it that way. It's a little, it's a little broader than that. Um, the se- in context, the sequence would be the, uh, the, you know, the scope being prepared, then the schedule being prepared, then, then the estimate, and then the budget, and th- and there's a logic to it, right? So, if you think about it, um, how how could anyone uh, complete an estimate if they didn't know what they were trying to to buy, right? If you didn't have a scope and were asked for an estimate, it wouldn't it wouldn't make any sense. Um, so everything you know is built. On on scope and in in an ideal world follows that logic, you know. In the same way, you know, I squeezed in the idea of the schedule there, um, and and that's logical too. I mean, if you think about it, so you you have the scope, you know what you want to build, but then it's also to know what time frame you're working with. So, uh, let's say, you know, the client or the the project sponsor wants something built on an accelerated time frame, well, that's going to directly impact the cost estimate and therefore the budget. I mean, if you want something done in a third of the time, you know, more resources are involved, prices are going to go up, costs are going to go up. Um, The flip side would be if, let's say, they knew what they, you know, the client knew what they wanted uh, to, to build, but it was something that was going to take two years or three years, or maybe they didn't even want it started for a year from now, knowing the schedule is important because there's a lot of variation, uh, you know, when you forecast out that long. I mean, uh, you know, materials costs can go up or down. Uh, Labor costs can go up or down. Um, You know, I think about international projects. Uh, currency exchange rates can fluctuate, and so you know, in order to have that estimate the way you really want it, which is accurate, um, it's best built 
on having first having a scope and then the schedule and then build the estimate and then of course the budget comes next to cover it. Now having said all that, to your point, Jonathan, um that's an ideal world. Hardly ever works that way, um, unfortunately. Uh, particularly in, in, in organizations where uh, you'll have an executive come by your desk and say, uh, hey, I, I need an estimate on something we're thinking about. You know, we have X number of dollars, you know, work something up. So, so oftentimes you'll get the assignment for an estimate kind of in reverse order. You'll be given the budget and then you have to work, kind of work backwards. Um, but because of that, and, and because there are any number of um, you know ways, any number of um, what's the best way to say it? Sort of levels of completion with either one of those elements. You know, you might get a project that's half scoped, or 25% scoped, or 100, or the schedule's not set or the budget is or isn't set or half of it's set, you're going to get all these variations. Uh, fortunately, there are different estimating techniques that you can choose from that that best match sort of the scenario you've been given. Uh, so perfect world, you know, scope, schedule, estimate, budget. Um, reality, it, not not so much. But it's good to keep that in mind because I think it helps you know, helps you really assess what you've been given to estimate, to estimate, and uh, you know, kind of guide your choices and the technique that you might use. Okay, and and what are the different methods project managers use to develop these cost estimates? Where do you go to research the cost of things, and and how does that research phase differ between finding the cost for concrete things like technology products versus more flexible things like labor cost? Okay, sure. So there there are essentially three types of of estimates. Um, and there's a little overlap between the three, but um, the industry has settled in on, on three major types. And I'll just name them, and then we can talk a little bit more about them in detail. So the, the first one is called analogous estimating. Uh, the second technique, parametric estimating. And the third technique, is what is referred to as detailed engineering um, estimates. And so e each one is uh, unique, and each one has its you know, pluses or minuses, if you will. Um, and each one is also better geared uh, for certain situations. So let me, let me dig in a little deeper. <laughs> so analogous estimating, you know, like the word um, itself, uh, analogy, the, I shouldn't say simple, but it's, it's, it's less time consuming than the other methods. Um, and, and all you're doing in analysis, analogous estimating is you're relying on a project that you've already completed in the past and making a judgment call and saying, you know what, the, the project that I've just been assigned is 
just like the last one I completed uh, two months ago, therefore the cost should be the same. So you just use the cost from the last project to estimate the next project. Um, now, <clears throat> as you can imagine, so there's there's a lot of uh, um, kind of inherent risk in doing that. I mean, that the the idea is, uh, you know, the idea is that if two, you know, two projects are known to be alike in in some respects, then they are probably alike in other respects. That's kind of the logic, but but that's a significant assumption. Um, but nevertheless, it it's it's a uh, it's you know it's done every day. You know, it's uh, legitimate. It's valid. Um, and so maybe a, an example of that might be if I were going to do an AV project, and uh, you know the last one I did was two months ago, so you know the the pricing is going to be relevant today. Shouldn't be much variation from two months ago, and you know we know we paid you know so much for the hardware. We know we paid so much for the software you know, for the um, cameras and projectors and, you know, whatever cabling was used. I mean, we, we have all those costs, and we can judge for ourselves if that's a similar size. Well, then that's a, that's a good representative sample of what the next project's going to cost. You just put a, put a dollar figure on it, and you're done. So let's, let's I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, well, let's go to the next one, Par parametric. Uh, estimating. Okay, so this is this is uh, quite a bit different, uh, but still not not difficult to do. Uh, parametric estimating, you can characterize it by saying, not only do you need just one past project, but you need more than one. I mean, ideally, to to make it work, because statistics is involved. Ideally, if you had 30 past projects, that would be great. But you can do it with 10 or 15 or even 5 or 6. I've done it with as few as 5, and it works out okay. But statistically speaking, it'd be better if you had the more the better. But what you do is you take you take all of that historic data from all those projects that you've completed in the past, and hopefully you're keeping track of all those things. And then you can take that data and Excel does this you know just beautifully you can use the data analysis uh, tool on in Excel um, run regression on the data and it will actually create an equation or a model if you will where all you need to do then is just plug in the same uh, variable data for your next project and Based on all those other projects you've done in the past and the in the relationships between all those numbers, it will calculate for you uh, a single point estimate. So it works. It works really well. Um, the assumption here, though, is is this that that the the factors and the variables and and the things that were included in your past projects. Will will be present in your future project, 
and essentially have the same relationship. And so that's that's an assumption that you're making. And you can see each one of these techniques um, is based on different kind of different assumptions. Um, but parametric works well. Uh, it's fairly quick to do. All all it takes is having historical data from projects that you've um, completed in the past. Uh, so the last one is what we call a de what we call a detailed engineering estimate, uh, and it's just like the name um, implies. I mean, it's, it's detailed and it's engineering in the sense that you're really drilling down on every single cost item um, that you think is going to be uh, used on the project. And so detailed engineering estimates, um, they take a lot of time to build. I mean, two, two weeks is a small, a tiny project. They can take two weeks, four weeks, large projects, I mean, a year or more to do detailed engineering estimates. Um, and what, what they're based on is uh, actual, you know, measurements from architectural drawings, takeoffs, you know, detailed scope um, information, design information. I mean, these are the these are the you know the most complex engineering estimates. They're also the most accurate. And so, so talking about accuracy, there's a, there's a trade-off. So analogous, you know, less accurate, less accurate parametric, a little more accurate, detailed engineering, even even more accurate. But at the same time, analogous, you can do quick, parametric, fairly quickly, detailed engineering takes a lot longer. Those are those are the three uh, you know primary uh, estimating techniques. Both of them are used um, every day by many, many people. And really, um, deciding which one to use just depends on um, the information that you have, and also what the estimate is going to be used for. And and I'll tell you a little bit about that, just you know, just to kind of close the loop. So, you know, if if somebody came and said, "Well, look, I, I I'm just exploring my options. Um, you know, we haven't decided on anything." We really don't even know the details of what we want. We we know we just want a new uh, computer network, but that's all the information we have. Well, you can do a quick analogous estimate and just say, well, look, you know, we did one a couple of weeks ago. It's roughly the same size. Here's about what it's going to cost. Um, people analogous estimating people refer to as ballparks. You know, high level estimates. Um, things of uh, rough order of magnitude, those sorts of things. The opposite of that, though, would be if someone came to me and said, "Well, you know, we're um, we're just about ready, you know, to enter in, or, or we're planning on entering into a formal contract arrangement with the client. It's a fixed price um, uh, contract. Well, now, you know." Fixed price contracts are, are, you know, they're that's that's an important consideration. So, you will want to absolutely make sure you have the highest uh, level of accuracy 
in the estimate that you give because you know it's a legal transaction it's you know there's financial incentives arrangements with fit size contracts so you it's got to be accurate in that case um, a detailed engineering estimate would be the way to go okay and and uh, so that's a, a lot to unpack um, but extremely informative now I'm wondering do any of those account for unforeseen events. So there's always going to be the risk that something happens, you know, prices might fluctuate or, uh, you know, maybe when digging into foundation, something unexpected comes up. How do you, how do you budget for the risk of unforeseen events that might impact the project and the cost? Right, right. And and that's, I mean, that's a very important, Jonathan. And something that um, seasoned project managers uh, uh, take into account there, there, and there's a couple of there's a couple of ways you can um, can do that and so you know we, we talked about you know the different types of estimating and um, essentially I alluded to the fact that at, at the end of the estimating process you end up with a single uh, dollar value. Let, let's say a hypothetical project. It ends up okay. The the price is fifty thousand dollars. So the cost, not price. The cost is fifty thousand dollars. Well, it, it you know there's a low probability that the cost will actually end up being exactly fifty thousand dollars. It's going to be higher or lower, or or it's going. To, there's a sort of a range that it could fall in. And so, you know, there's a, there's a weakness in having what we call a single point estimate like that, and, and deriving estimates, you know, based on cost cost components that have single point estimates. So what what seasoned project managers will do is they'll do what they call three point estimates. And so what three point estimates um, are is well, they reflect the the prob probabilistic. It's you know there's little chance that you're going to hit exactly fifty thousand dollars. In fact, most projects um, go over budget, right? I mean that's that's more common than under budget. So if you think about you know the bell curve in cost estimating. The final cost of a project, it's like a bell curve, but it's it's skewed to the right, right? So you know, cost over overruns are are more common than underruns. So so this three point estimate is um, a way of reflecting that probability, and and it's not hard to do. So uh, real quickly, what it is is you need three points, right? So you'll have the Let's just say you take the first estimate that you came up with using one of these one of these uh, methods, and you you take that value if it's fifty thousand dollars, whatever it is, and you multiply it by four. Okay, multiply that number by four, and just hold on to it for now. That's that's your what I'll call the most likely um, cost. Then think about the worst case scenario, how much could this project end up costing? Kind of worst case. 
all right, you, you take that figure, you, you jot it down, hold on to that for a moment. You do the same thing and think about the best case scenario. Okay, if, if everything's done right, this project is just the most efficient project we've ever undertaken. Um, we're going to come in under budget. What, what figure could that, could that be? And you just, a, a best case or a, a optimistic number. So you just, you know, think about that number, decide on the number, and, and jot that down. So at this point, you've got a $1 figure for best case. You've got a dollar figure for, and then you've got estimate, which is, you know, we'll call the most likely estimate, and we multiply that figure by four. So add all those together, and you divide by six. And so, and, and uh, project managers do this all the time. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, some other ways, but essentially this is what it all amounts to. So that figure, when you add all of them up, divide by six, it won't be what you originally had. It won't be that most likely estimate. It'll be something either the right or left of it because it it uh, logically takes into consideration, um, you know, the chances of a estimate either being too low or too high. So that's one thing. So uh, one way we can estimate and account for any uncertainties and risk, and, and this is commonly done, and you can even do it at lower levels. I mean, what I was talking about is just taking the top line cost and then, you know, doing it that way. But say, for example, if you had a uh, an engineering estimate, you could you could do a three-point estimate on every single line item or every grouping of items or you know group uh, component groups. Um, like you could have a three-point estimate on your concrete, your flat work, or you can have um, a three-point estimate on framing, that sort of thing. And so. You do it at the component level and then roll all those figures up uh, to get your total cost. But that's that's one way. Uh, another way, which is often done and, and recommended, is to include a contingency line item in your estimate. Um, all you know, done all over the world, uh, completely expected and legitimate. Um, just for that very reason. I mean, you, you just never know what's going to happen. You might have a labor strike. Um, you might have a shortage of materials uh, that drives the price up. You, you just never know. I mean, you could have a natural disaster um, that sets things back. So uh, you'll want that contingency in there. And what I usually tell folks is now the contingency is not to cover uh, changes in scope. Because this, you know, the scope is a scope, and that's what we estimated. Um, changes to scope are generally handled through, you know, the change order process, and it'll result in, you know, a higher cost. But the contingency is really that, just to handle the uncertainties. And um, a, a quick way to 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 kind of identify what that might look like in terms of dollars. Um, 
people will often take, or project managers, I should say, often take take the difference between the pessimistic, right, the worst case scenario, take the difference between that number and the most likely number, and use that as your contingency. And and that's a that's a valid and fair way to do it. So contingency uh, is a good thing to have and a great way to to protect yourself, if you will, and cover any uncertainties. And I'd say that the last thing um, that that any any estimator project manager should do is when they finish with the calculations, just the mathematical portion of the cost estimate. You, you have there's another part to it that is often overlooked but so so important and we call it the basis of the estimate the the BOE if you will you'll hear project managers talk about BOEs so estimating there's really two there's two pieces to it there's the you know there's the the math and then there's the basis of the estimate and the basis of the estimate is um, a narrative. It's it's you know it summarizes what the estimate is, what it isn't, where the information came from, any assumptions, any constraints. Basis of the estimate is important for all estimating types, but especially important in analogous and parametric because in those two cases, oftentimes the scope is not well defined. And so in your basis, you're, you're going to want to record and document significant assumptions that you made. So, for example, thinking about risk, you may, you may put in uh, the basis of the estimate that this estimate doesn't uh, factor in overtime or it doesn't factor in an accelerated schedule. Or it might be something like, you know, this estimate assumes that all of the materials will be um, purchased from, you know, XYZ firm that the client stipulated. So it these assumptions and constraints are, are very important because they begin to fill in for the lack of information about the scope that you might be working with. But I just you know, I, I share that because it's so important. It's so often overlooked, but I encourage anybody that's doing estimating, um, keep track of your notes, keep track of where you, you know, found your information, the assumptions that you made, and add that to your estimate, and that will help you, um, you know, with uncertainty because what it does is clarify for anybody that's reading the estimate, um, you know, what the estimate really means. So there's a couple of ways. Um, Using the three-point estimate, um, always having your contingency, and then of course um, documenting the context of your of your estimate in a BOE. Okay, I think that that should be plenty to go on for now as far as creating the estimate goes. <laughs> but once you've created the estimate, you need to get not just the budget; you need to get buy-in for the budget. So when a project manager is presenting to the C-suite or executive level or whoever the, whoever the financial uh, person or team is that will approve the budget, what are some best practices? What, are, what should they uh, explain to them? Should they just you know, explain everything that they uh, looked into and why it's going to cost that? You know, 
what should they expect when going into that process of gaining approval for, for a budget? Right, right. And, and we've all been there and we know uh, we can't do anything without, um, you know, top level support of our project. And so the buy-in is so incredible. Well, you have to have it. I mean, they, they're the ones that are going to um, free up the budget. I mean, they're the ones that are going to uh, approve it and, and give you the go-ahead to, to get started. And so, you know, we can easily put ourselves in their place. And and I've and I've been I've been in that situation if I, if not once a million times. Um, and it's it's not hard to get their buy-in. There's just a couple of things you got to do. Um, and they're going to sound so simple, but um, they'll account for probably 80% of of your buy-in challenges. First one, so easy, make sure that the math is correct. I mean, nothing nothing will sabotage an estimate faster than uh, a couple of faulty uh, addition or subtraction. Well, you won't have subtraction much, but uh, a, a couple of uh, simple math errors. And so checking it once is not enough. Um, you know, as I do estimates, I'm constantly double checking everything, um, and and surprisingly, you know, you still find errors as you go through. Uh, and also, along with um, being mathematically accurate, you want to be consistent. So if you used, um, let's say, you used a labor rate of $22 in one area and it's the same skill, it's the same labor, and you're using it in another calculation, we'll make sure you're using the same $22. Um, that happens a lot too. So just different different wage rates for the same thing. Um, the other is, you know, organize it. This is, this is critical. I mean, executives don't want to have to, um, you know, they just don't want to have to spend a great deal of time trying to figure out what they're looking at. And so organization is important. Um, larger estimates, like, like a detailed engineering estimate, um, project managers will want to group, you know, group their estimates. So you can put, um, well, you can have a, a group for subcontracting cost if you're planning on subcontracting any portion of the project, which happens all the time. Uh, materials cost, I mean, you could even separate it by hardware, software, uh, you know, separate that from labor, whether it be direct labor or indirect labor, um, things like that. So, so organize it, make it, you know, make it easy to, really easy to read, easy to understand, um, and, and logical. So the organization is, is, is critical. Then, and this ties right back into the methods we were talking about, you know, know which estimating technique that you used, you know, why you used it, be able to explain why you used it, and, you know, be able to really uh, educate the executive on why, you know, why that technique was appropriate um, for the situation. Um, executives, you know, they're not spending all their time thinking about managing projects. 
also you know won't have the same uh, level of understanding that you will about how to make estimates. So a lot of it is just you know showing them um, you know the different techniques and, and and showing them that you know how to use them and you you've picked the right one and you know why. So. Uh, being able to explain which technique you used and why is extremely important. And I, I'd say the other thing is um, to have your BOE on hand. Um, don't leave that behind. Making it, make it an integral part of your estimate, and you know that ought to be organized, clear, and, and well, you know, well written as well. So. Uh, keep it accurate. Check your math. Triple check it. Quadruple check it. Um, you know, keep it organized, your estimate organized, do do have the BOE with it. Uh and then know, you know, know why you chose the technique that you did, um, and be able to explain it. And I think if you do that, I mean I've always had um a lot of success with that. Uh you, you know, you'll come across credible, you'll come across knowledgeable, um, you'll come across as having done your homework. And um, that's exactly what executives um, want to see. They want to see you confident in what you've done. Robert, what should listeners take away from our discussion today? Well, and Jonathan, we, we have gone in uh, to quite, quite a bit of detail. And, um, you know, I get excited uh, talking about all this. So I think, you know, it, it, you know here at the end, I would say, um, you know, know you know know the techniques. Um, you can learn more about them online. There's plenty of uh, textbooks, uh, resources uh, that go into a lot of detail on each one of those. But but know the techniques. Um, you know, know their weaknesses and their strengths. And I would say, um, you know, we that's so that's so important. Uh, many people, you know don't know about it and even those that do uh often you know often neglect to to include one but that that's something that I can't stress enough uh to include uh with your estimate is is a good basis and let's see so with that i would say um you know we talked a little bit about the sequence um Kind of get that fixed in your mind, you know, that in an ideal world, the way we estimate and budget, it should follow the order um, first scope, then schedule, then estimate, and then budget. That, that's the ideal situation. That, that should be a reference point. Um, rarely will you get that, but it's, it's, a, good, it's a good foundation to, to keep in mind. So the sequence. Um, the basis of estimate, and also understanding the three primary techniques, and um, that those things will will serve anyone very well uh, as they as they get started estimating projects. Okay, Dr. Robert Marshall, adjunct professor, Southern New Hampshire University. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you so very much, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to My Tech Decisions podcast. Here at Tech Decisions, it's our mission to help you do your job better. 
If you'd like to learn more, head over to www.mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. I'm your host, Jonathan Blackwood, Managing Editor of Tech Decisions, and you can find me at Blackwood Tweets. Thank you again for listening and good luck with all of your installations and implementations.